0: listening to this week's message from freedom Church for more info on freedom visit freedomdl.com thanks for listening today what I'd like to do is I'd like to continue our series on that uh, uh, we've been doing called father and it's all about helping you see God as a father and since it's Father's day um, I thought we would we'd take some time and and specifically speak to dads but listen if you're not a dad in this room that's okay you can still gather and glean some really good stuff from this. So I want you to lean in anyway and, uh, and listen. Now, um, I'm a part of this organization called the Next Level Relational Network. And Next Level um, is, a, is a group of about 1,000 pastors across the United States and Canada. And what we are is basically just pastors encouraging and helping other pastors. Um, the, the catch line or the phrase for Next Level Relational Network is helping you become a healthy, high-impact Pastor leading healthy, high impact churches. That's what they're all about. And so I have a brotherhood group of about 10 to 12 guys. That I communicate with every single day. In fact, I just got a message while I'm speaking to you right now from one of the pastors in LA right now that's just saying, hey guys, happy Father's Day, y'all go get them today. So every day we have this constant encouragement. Now, the leader of this entire group is a guy named Matt Keller, who is the pastor of Next Level Church uh, in Fort Myers, Florida. They've been there about 20 years, and um, every now and then, Pastor Matt will send a message out to all of the pastors in our network and say, hey, I believe that the Lord wanted me to share this specific message with you guys um, you can preach it at your church if you want to. You don't have to, but um, if you want to, this is a message I feel like God's put in my heart, and I wanted to share it with you. And um, this is the first time I've ever jumped in and actually used one of the messages, and I've tweaked it so that we can, you know, it's, it's us, because, you know, Florida and Texas is a little bit different, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and so I've tweaked it to us, but um, a lot of this is coming out of the heart of one of my spiritual fathers, a guy named Matt Keller in, um, in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, and so I pray that you receive this today. The message is what sons and daughters need. Come on, dads. Yeah. It's difficult to know what our kids need, especially if you got a teenager. Man, teenagers are crazy, y'all. Where are my teenagers at? I see some of y'all in here. Y'all are crazy, okay? Like, I don't even remember when I was a teenager being like that as wild as y'all are. I'm sure I was. I mean, I got my parents on the front row, so they might set me straight on that, but... um. Y'all, wild. You know what I'm saying? And and as it's Father's Day today, what I wanted to do is I wanted to speak specifically to the dads, because here's the thing: not all of us had good fathers. Like I mentioned in transition a second ago, we we all haven't had the best fathers in the world. Uh, we may not have had present fathers. You know, there are a few different types of bad dads. To be honest with you, there are the dads that are that are not there at all. Like they're just completely and totally checked out. They have nothing to do with kids and. And I know that's a tough situation, but there are also those dads that are that are abusive. And they're abusive in many of the ways that people can be abusive. And that's obviously a bad dad. And um, as, I've, as I've talked to people, I mean, I've been a pastor for almost a quarter of a century now. And as I've been talking to people, one thing that I hear a lot is when you have a dad that while they are not abusive and while they're not gone, they're there, but they're disengaged. And that can sometimes be just as bad as anything else, because when you have a dad... That acts like they don't care about you and don't, they don't want to be there. It's it's exponentially worse because at least if they weren't there, you wouldn't have to deal with it every single day. But that, since they're there, there you got to deal with that emotion and that feeling every single day. And so, I know that's tough. But listen, if you've had a bad father, I want to tell you first thing. I'm sorry. It breaks my heart. And and I got to be honest with you. I was that close to having that. I Was that close. I mentioned this a few other times as we've been talking through this series that, you know, my dad stepped in and gave me his name and made sure that I didn't have to live the experience of having a bad dad. It's changed my whole life. It's changed everything. You may not have had that situation, but I know based on all the years in ministry experience working with people, especially teenagers, who are dealing with and processing through having poor fathers in their lives or no fathers in their lives, I see how detrimental it is. It's even detrimental in, the ter- in terms of society. Look at any statistic you want to, uh, social statistic, and you see the drastic negative impacts of not having active like uh, um, godly fathers in your life. It's terrible. And I'm telling you, it hurts my heart. But even more than it hurts my heart, it, it breaks your father's heart in heaven as well. Yeah, because that wasn't his, his plan for you. Yeah. Well, you might say, well, then why didn't he do anything about it? Well, what would you have God do about it? Would, would you have God make your dad be a good dad? Would you, would you have God stand there and say, no, you can't. Leave. You have to stay no matter what. All of a sudden now we're talking about violating free will. And does anybody want to be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't want to be in a relationship with you? Like, you, I, I love you because I have to. Well, that's not a fun relationship, is it? So it's like if, if you want God to do that with your dad, well, then what level of control over your decision do you want God to have in your own life? You see what I'm saying? So it's like it's not as easy as just saying, God, snap your fingers and fix the problem. Free will means that we get to choose Jesus, but it also means that people get to choose sin. And that is why we live in the fallen world we live in right now. It's not because God's not active. God did something about the sin and evil. It's Jesus Christ is what he did. And because of Jesus Christ, you not only get salvation and get your little ticket to heaven, you get a family. Come on, church. You get to be a part of God's family. And so one of the ways that God fixes a father deficit is he becomes your father if you let him. And then he will insert other fathers through the church in your life to help you fill the deficit and the void that your family of origin may have left in you. That's the purpose of it. You have a chance though, and this is what I get excited about: is you have a chance to break the generational curse and cycle in your own family if you choose to. So when you say yes to Jesus, you become a part of a new family. Come on, a new family of origin for you. And what that means is even though you may not have had a dad that was nice and kind and helped you and benefited you and built you up and encouraged you, you may not have had that, but you don't have to be that for your kid. You can stop the cycle right now and refuse to allow the enemy to continue what he's been doing in your family of origin. That's what we're talking about here. That's why it's so important to embrace this notion of what sons and daughters need, to embrace this notion of fatherhood. And you know what? It's hard being a dad. Many of us didn't grow up with a model on how to do good dadding. We didn't grow up with that. So, And you know what else? Our world today really gives dads a bad rap. I mean, you look at any, any program on TV, dads are always the doofy ones, and moms are always the leader of the house. I mean, it's, it's rampant. Men take the brunt of jokes and ridicule, and it's across the board. But today, here's what I want to do. I want to... I want to honor you, dads. But more than honor, I want to help you today. Make some decisions that are going to help what God wants to happen in your kids, happen in your kids. What your sons and daughters need. Here's the first thing. We're going to take some advice from the Apostle Paul on how to be a good dad. And it's this. Number one, to know that we see them. To know that we see them. 2 Timothy 1, 1 and 2 says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me tell you a little bit about Timothy. Timothy was in a place where nobody accepted him. Why? It's because Timothy was half Greek and half Jew. I don't know if you grew up in the first century. <laughs> it's an old joke. But um, if, if, you, if you didn't, then you might not know that if you, were a, if you were a Jew, then you need to be 100% Jew. You hear what I'm saying? Like all in. In fact, one of the reasons why the Jews couldn't stand the Samaritans so much is because the Jewish person, uh, a Samaritan was a mix between a Jewish person and an Arab person. And they were not about that life. So you have Timothy here who's half Jew and he's half Greek. So he never fit in with the Greeks because he had all the the Jewish in him. But he never fit in with the Jews because, my goodness, you got that pagan Greek. They worship all them bunch of gods. So Timothy never fit in anywhere. He was rejected from both sides. But on Paul's trip to Lystra, he found Timothy, and he recognized him. He saw him. He noticed him. And he not only noticed him and who he was, he noticed his faith. And what he did as a result was he took him in as a spiritual son. Guys, I'm asking some of you fathers in the room right now that what you need to do is you need to look across the audience and you need to see somebody that you recognize and you see them and you see the faithfulness in them and you're willing to step across the aisle and be a spiritual father to a son, a spiritual father to a daughter. They need that. They need you to see them. Paul wanted and and needed Timothy to know that he was in his heart and in his family He writes, Timothy, my dear son. What is Paul saying? He's saying, Timothy, I see you, man. Nobody else in your world accepts you. Nobody else embraces you. The Jews don't. The Greeks don't. But I want you to know I see you. I embrace you. You have a permanent place in my heart. This is the kicker right here. Dads, our kids need to know we see them for who they are, not for who we wish they were. Anybody ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced a situation with a parent where you could tell that they were not pleased with who you were because they didn't really line up with who they were? You know, it's like, well, I was a big football star in high school, and if you don't like football, boy, I don't even know who you are. Like, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. God made them unique. And one of the greatest gifts that we can give our kids is to see them for who they are, not who we want them to be. Your kids are not a second chance for you to live your dreams out. Okay, I know, I know, I hear you. And it's like, like little Timmy, like he's, he's probably not going to go to the Yankees next year. Okay, number one, he's six. Okay, so don't be out at the tee ball field going, hit the ball, Timmy. What is wrong with you? Hit the ball. We've been working on this. Calm down there, Royd Rage. Calm down. It's a little kid. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten is don't expect your eight-year-old to act like an 18-year-old. You've taken 18 years to train them for the world that they're about to jump into, but you're sitting here pounding on your little eight-year-old because they're not doing something. They're going to spill milk, man. They're gonna, They're going to they're gonna get into stuff. I had a gut check the other day. I was in the chiropractor's office, and every time I go in the chiropractor's office, i got to lay on my stomach on this little thing, and they put the little heating pads on the back to get the muscles all loosey-goosey, and I looked over, and I saw this little thing, and it had an up button and a down button, and you know what I did? I pushed it. <laughs> and you know what instantly came to my mind? And this had to be God, because I don't think I'm quick enough to think like this. He said, William would have done the same thing. Would you have gotten mad at him? What about? I said, "Stop, Will! Don't touch that." Probably. So, you have to be careful that while you recognize so much in, of yourself in your kid, that you don't assume that they're going to live the same life you're going to live. And let me kind of just take a tangent here and just say this: just because you just because you see a lot of yourself in your kid doesn't mean they're going to make the same decisions you made that messed up your life. You gotta be very, very careful that you don't will into existence their bad choices. You gotta be sure that you, as the parent, are creating boundaries so that they choose to walk in the right lane rather than following the the footsteps. Well, I don't know. I did that. And so I know my parents were really harsh on me. So now you better calm down because you might be speaking into existence the very thing that you're trying to keep them from. Okay? God made them unique. How are they wired? What are they passionate about? You gotta see that. You gotta recognize that. You gotta encourage that. You gotta get into their world. You gotta be into what they're into. I know some of y'all aren't into Roblox and, 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 and Minecraft and all the stuff, the little games they play. I'm not, I don't wanna get it either. But it's like I want to be sure that I'm celebrating my kids and, and encouraging them to, to try things. Now, obviously, that means we have some boundaries. We, set. we just don't let them willy-nilly do whatever they want to do. That's some bad parenting right there. But it doesn't mean being so oppressive of what they're doing and never getting into what they're doing, never understanding why they like what they like. Vivi is into piano and art. Okay, I like piano. I like music. My first gig in ministry was a worship pastor. I had a band. I went to Nashville. I had the big Nashville show. And I, was, I did all that stuff. So I like music. So I can really relate to Viv with piano. But she likes art too. And I'm telling you what, I'm terrible at art. I, I can't draw for. I can't draw for nothing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? But Viv is really. She's really good at it. Like she I, she puts her paintings on her wall, and I'm like. Look at that big-headed bird. That's a cute bird. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a pretty bird. I I just like her drawing. She's into it. I try to get into it with her. Audrey's into everything. So I don't know what she's into right now, but pretty much literally everything she could get into. Let's talk about Will, though. Will's into taekwondo. I never got into taekwondo as a kid. Never understood it like the... I never understood the... I just didn't get it. But my kid had his first tournament yesterday. And he won first place in forms, and he won first place in speed kicking. And guess what I was doing? I was on the sideline jumping and cheering my kid on. I don't have to understand why the forms and the kicking and all that stuff. It doesn't have to be my bag, but I'm telling you this much. My boy needs to know his daddy is for him. I see him. I want him to express himself in the way that he wants to express himself. I'm going to do everything I can to help him. And you know why? Here's why. This is why it's so important that you figure out what your kids are into. Because if they see your effort into what they're into, they're going to see your effort when they're having a problem and they need somebody to reach out to. They're going to come to you. Why? Because they know my dad cares enough to get into what I'm into. He probably cares enough to help me out through this situation. Everything is spiritual if you let it be. So see that, recognize that. So the first one is that we see them. Number two, to know that we're thankful for them and that we're praying for them. Verse 3 says, I thank my God, whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. You see, Paul wanted him to know that he was thankful for him, that he was praying for him. Dads, never underestimate the power of your kids knowing that you're thankful for them. Now, there's something that I do all the time. Um, Whenever my kids go somewhere, like today, Will and Audrey are going to go to the ranch with my mom and dad. And uh, before they leave, I'll do something that I do every single time. I'll hug them. And I'll get close to their ear and I'll say, do you know dad, dad loves you? And they'll say yes. And I say, do you know dad is proud of you? And they'll say yes. Now, I do this, number one, because I want my kids to know this. Um, it's because I got fed a lot of that when I was a kid. And it, and it helped me so much. I want my kids to experience that too. But, you know, another part of it is you never know when the last hug is. And I want to be sure that my kids know what their dad thinks about them. But something I found that I don't say as often as I need to is how thankful I am for them. Are you thankful for your kids? Are you thankful for these little souls, these little people in your life? Well, if you are, tell them. Tell them today. Hug each one of your kids individually. Not in some big group and just look around, but like individually look at their face and say, I'm thankful for you. I'm so glad you're my son. I'm so glad you're my daughter. Even if they roll your eyes at you, you hug your teenager and you squeeze them and they'll squirm and they'll kick. What are you doing? You're so weird, dad. Hug them and tell them how thankful you are for them. They need it. Tell them that you're praying for them. Text them. Write them a note. DM them. Whatever it takes. Tell them. My dad would write out prayers before he left work when I was in high school. He worked in Beaumont, and he would leave early in the morning. He would get back kind of late. But every single morning, I had this little note, and, and it always had a prayer on it. And it did something to me. It, it's a part of why I am who I am today. Amen. Why? Because every morning I woke up, and as a teenager, I probably went, huh, Okay, love you, Dad. I don't know but now I look, back that, I look back at that, and I see how valuable that was to the spirit, the formation of my spirit that was happening in that process. Yes. I knew I had a dad praying for me. Even now, if I have a problem or a situation, I'll call mom and dad, and I'll say, hey, this is going on, and you know what they'll do? We're going to fast for three days. We're going to fast and pray for three days. So sometimes I've forgotten to call after day one when God already answered, be like, hey, by the way, i got to answer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> good for your health you know it's good for your health (laughs) tell them you're praying for them let them know it watch how it changes them watch how they'll be standing on a platform 40 years from now saying how big of a deal it was then here's another thing actually pray for them you ever do the thing where it's like you hear something like oh praying little hands but then you don't really pray. you just like, it's something you say. Like, I had a pastor one time tell me, if you ever tell somebody I'm praying for you, you stop and you pray for them. Because if you don't do it right, then you're not going to do it. So take the time to pray for them. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you walked up to your kid's bed when they were asleep and put your hand on their leg and just prayed for them while they were sleeping? Don't make the mistake of thinking that they have to hear your prayers for it to make, it a, make an impact. See, the righteous, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Some translations say they avail much. Are you praying for your kids? We always talk about praying mamas, but a father's prayers are just as powerful and effective. Do whatever you have to do to pray for your kids every day. And here's the added benefit. We are less likely to criticize our kids when we are lifting them up daily before the Lord. Pray with and over your kids. Hey, with, what does that mean? Let them pray too. Pray for your kid and they say, hey, will you pray for me? And then they'd be like, God help dad. Amen. That's a start. That's a start. Absolutely. That's a start. Um, on the way to school, when we lived in Longview, we went to a private Christian school up there and just loved that school. It was I mean, every person there was dedicated to helping your kid reach their potential. It was incredible. Um, it's been very different going to public school because that's not really the case, you know, um, with the, especially the Christian Christianity side. Um, but. But we would go to school and we would always have this thing we called the daily confession. always had a daily confession. I'm going to tell you what the daily confession is. Here's what we would say every day. Today will be a great day. I will honor God with what I do and say. I will be obedient and respectful. I will do the right thing no matter what. I will be full of joy trusting in Jesus my Lord. I will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life God's called me to live. I will love God and others as he's loved me. I will fulfill my purpose which begins with what I choose to do today. This is my declaration. This is what we pray every morning. And there are some things. These represent a lot of the core values of our family, especially when it comes to I'll fulfill my purpose, which begins with what I choose today. You see, I don't want my kids making good decisions. Good decisions just get good results. I want them to make God decisions because that gets them to their purpose. But how are they going to know how to make godly good decisions if I'm not helping them by praying with them and feeding life into them and laying hands on them, telling I'm thankful for them? How are they going to know unless I'm showing them? The first one is to see you. The second is to know we are thankful for and are praying for them. Number three, to know we desire to be with them. Verse four, Paul says, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Paul said, Timothy, my son, I long to see you. There is nothing so powerful as when a child knows their dad wants to be with them. Let me give you some evidence of that. How does it make you feel that your father in heaven wants to be with you? Do you think about God like that? Do, Do you think about God? I mean, look. Church has done a really good job of helping us see the holy, the 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 righteous, the judge, the creator, the the big, the the mighty, the you know, don't don't mess like the, like the judge, the ruler, the creator. We see all of that part of God, but do you see the father part of God that just wants to hang out with his kid? Do you see your prayer time like that as not a thing that you're supposed to do because good Christians pray and you get your little star? But do you see it as your dad just wanting to hang out with you for a minute? Would that change your prayer time if you thought like that? This is just a dad that wants to hang out. I remember my dad, I, I, would, I would come home and get off the school bus and we, I would step off the bus and onto the truck and we'd go fishing. And you remember there was a period of time where it kind of got like redundant and kind of old and I started not wanting to go so much. And you know what you said? You said, how about you, you, you ski to the fishing hole? And so... That's one of the ways I get, get, get to go water skiing to the fish hole. It kind of hit me, though, that like I'm skiing to these places where the fish are, but the alligators are too, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, sort of kind of second-guess all that stuff. Sometimes I'll talk to Dad, and we'll talk about when the kids are going to come hang out at the ranch, especially during the summers, and he'll say this phrase to me sometimes. He says, are you coming too? It's my dad wants to hang out with me. What if your prayer times were not you just... Praying because you're supposed to, but it was your dad saying, hey, I want to meet with you at six o'clock. Are you coming too? What if it was that? Do you see God that way? Think about in the context of a relationship with God the Father. You see, Paul wanted Timothy Timothy to know about his tears. He wanted him to know what was weighing him down and what was breaking his heart. Dads, we have to get into our kids' worlds to know about their highs and their lows. We have to. Look, this takes time and it takes effort. It can feel like a job sometimes. You can't rush it. You can't fake it. You can't manufacture it. It's a relationship and it can be difficult, especially with these teenagers. So there's some great questions. What's exciting or exhausting about your life right now? Ask about their friends. Come on, dads. Ask about the dude that your girl kind of sweet on. You maybe be dating Jesus, number one. Here's the thing, though. Teens are experts at one-word answers. So here's what I encourage you to do is to learn how to be proficient at a relational shovel. Hey, how was school today? Good? What was good about it? My friends? What friend's your favorite friend right now? I'll ask that to Viv. Hey, who's your favorite friend in school right now? Vanessa? Why you like Vanessa? She's fun? It's like, Good Lord getting tired over here, little kid. Get proficient with the relational shovel. Keep reminding your kids that being with them brings you joy. Guys, I'm not not talking to a bunch of people as if I've mastered this. This one is probably the hardest one for me. You're not a bother or a trouble or a burden. You're my son, my daughter, and I love being with you. Come on, dads, we work a lot, don't we? We have to. I mean, especially in the world we live in, everything costs 15 times as much as it used to cost a year ago. Life is exponentially harder right now than it has been in a long time. Inflation at an all-time high. Highest average gas price since, what, the 80s, 84, or something like that. Or probably even higher, I think, ever, actually, right now. At $5 an hour average, or $5 a gallon average. Highest it's ever been in the, in the history of America. Yeah. And so I know, dads, you have extra pressure to provide. You know, the Bible says, what happens if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Let me ask you this. What if you can afford the new truck, but you lose your kids? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say there are some things that are more important than the doodads you have. So be sure you're considering what's important, what God considers important. Amen? Amen. Number four, to be reminded of the seed of faith that's in them. Verse five, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. Something that's interesting about that specific passage is it does not mention a grandfather or a father. Why? Because Timothy didn't have one. He didn't have one. So here's something, fathers, I'm asking you to do in the context of of our church family. When you see somebody that doesn't have, be willing to step up and supply. That doesn't just mean fathering. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go marry the mom. (laughs) Calm down. It's not like the new Freedom Church dating service. That's not what's going on here. Um, But let's say you see a teenager that you know the dad's not involved. Go talk to the mom. Hey, would, would he like to go fishing or something? Have a coffee. See what you can do. See what you can do to help. See what you can do to pour in. Maybe you start asking that family to sit with y'all at church. Maybe that whole family comes over and has dinner one night with you guys. Just hang out. Just, I just, God's put, me on, put y'all on my heart, and I just want to reach out and see what I can do. What's the harm in that? There's no harm. That's biblical, actually. Yeah. So be sure that we're doing that. Parents, our kids don't need us to force-feed faith to them. But they do need us to do two things. Number one, lead them. Here's how you lead. We're a family that goes to church together. It's not something we do. It's who we are. And as long as you're in this house, little kid, we're going together to the house of God at Freedom Church. That's what we're doing. We're going to be planted every Sunday as a family. We're going to attend. We're going to serve. We're going to go to meetups. We're going to do Sundays. We're going to have faith as the backbone of our family. And by the way, if faith is not the backbone of your family, parents, that's on us. That's on us. The worst thing our kids can see is us pushing them, but us not living it ourselves. Here's what I encourage you to do. If you're not serving anywhere, take time and grab your whole family. Maybe you've got some teenagers. Like, y'all go do BKs once a month. Here's what's going to happen. You're not only going to get to move the kingdom forward using your gifts, talents, and abilities, but you're going to get to beha- begin to have some relationship with your kid in a way you've never experienced that before. It, it's a twofer, and everybody wins. Second thing is remind them. They get to be on their own faith journey. We, gotta have, We, however, have to be faithful that we keep putting them in environments where God's Spirit is moving. Because when we do that, there will be a moment when God gets a hold of them. Mm-hmm. Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? Parents, are you telling your kids about Jesus? Are you creating environments in your home where your kids can develop a relationship with God on their own personal one-on-one? Here's why. There are no grandkids in heaven. There are no in-laws either. <laughs> Y'all calm down. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love my in-laws. But, but there are no... You don't get to the pearly gates and then pull out your wallet and the only thing you have in there is the Jesus that your mama knew. You better know him because the way you get to the relationship with the father, the way you get to heaven isn't based off of how your mom and dad live their relationships with Jesus. It's how you do it. And so our job is not to force feed Christianity to our kids, but it is our job to help them see who Jesus really is. And the best way you can help somebody see who Jesus really is, is to model it, not to speak it. Got to model it. Lead them and remind them, don't force feed them. The last thing is this. To know we believe in their good future. Verse six, for this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame of God, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Paul needed Timothy to know that he saw the calling and gifting on his life and was behind him 100%. Our kids need that too. Let me ask you questions, dads. Uh, Moms, you can answer this one too. When's the last time you fanned the flame of the fire of God, the gift of God, inside of your kids? When's the last time you fanned that flame? Okay, let me ask you a second question. When's the last time you were a part of dousing that flame? Now, we may, not, we may not be intentionally dousing the flame in our kids, but something I think about with Audrey a lot is Audrey is high energy. She's always full of life. She's always excited. I mean, you can tell her, she can come and say, Dad, I can I have a piece of candy? And I say, no, she goes, yay, and she just runs off. <laughs> I have to be very careful that I don't let my frustration quench the fire of excitement that's inside of her. I have to be careful that what I do instead is to fan the flame of excitement. It's it's me learning how to let her be excited, but not go mental in the process. You know what I'm saying? Like pulling stuff down and, oh, look, my kid's hanging off the rafter. Cool. You see what I'm saying? Does your kid, does your teenager right now have something about them like, they have a level of compassion for people that's just uncanny. It's like, wow, man. Like, it's, it's, like Viv right now, she's 10. She's getting close to that teenager years. And, um, you know, I know everybody says, oh, teens are so hard. You know, I'm just speaking life over my kid. She's going to have a great teenage years. She's not going to be a problem. She's not going to be a struggle. She's not going to be a burden. She's going to live those years with, with, with faith. And, and with, with, with joy in her heart. Like, speak that stuff over your kids. But Viv right now is so compassionate for people, her heart is very tender. What am I doing to fan the flame of tender hearted compassion inside of her? And then what am I doing to quench that fire? Gotta be sure that I'm fanning, not quenching. Dads, our kids need us to believe in their good future. There's nothing as powerful as a father's belief in a son or daughter. Think about it like this. God, your father, believes in you. How does it make you feel? So you speak life over your kids. You speak belief over their kids. They will rise to the level of expectation that you have for them. So if you expect them to mess up, they're going to mess up. You always fail at this. You always mess this up. Okay, you're going to get exactly what you say. I'm not talking about name it, claim it, prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about that mess at all. I'm saying you have the power in this thing in your mouth, this tongue, to speak death and to speak life. Are you speaking life over your kids? See it, believe it, speak it. Then encourage effort towards it. Don't put unrealistic expectations on your kids. Reward effort and movement, not perfection. The only time you ever get to reward perfection is if you yourself are perfect. Don't criticize them. Your kids have enough critics around them, and not, and then in their own head. You're, one of your worst, one of your kids' worst critics is the person they look at in the mirror every morning. How do I know? It's because you do the same thing. You know, I I had bullies in school. I mean, everybody's had bullies, right? I had '90s bullies though. You know what I'm saying? So '90s bullies was like when I played baseball in high school. I was like half half of what I am now, as far as you know, weight and all that, but I was always still a stocky dude, so I had this one guy, I'm, I'm going to call him Bill, just to keep protect everybody safe out there, um, his, we'll call him Bill, and he would make fun of me constantly, we'd, we'd go by McDonald's after the games, and go, oh, coward's eating again, you know, just make fun of me all the time, just bust on me, um, he was a year older than me, and um, so one day, I'm not recommending you do this, but I did this, was kind of funny, I was running onto the field, and um. He said, oh, there's fire, there's fatty running again." And I turned around and I said, "There's Bill riding pine again." And he kind of stopped, uh, stopped. I don't kids. I don't don't do that. It did it did stop him from busting on me, but I shouldn't have said that. But um, <laughs> but here's the thing about today is you may have had a, a bully when you were a kid, teenagers. I mean, parents. You may have had a bully, but nowadays they get it twenty four seven. You see, my bullying stopped when I got off the baseball field. But there's a 24-7. Kids will create fake social media accounts just to terrorize people. So whenever you say, oh, I had a bully in school too, don't worry about it. Uh, No, you're not like this. Not like this. It's a whole different ballgame. I mean, imagine everybody in school, you walk in the next day, everybody in school knows everything that you did bad, and it's just because somebody created an account on, on social media and told the world. Don't criticize your kids. Speak life over them as often as you can, as much as you can. It helps them know that I have a dad that believes in me and my good future. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put all five on the screen. And as we end today, I want you to look at these five on the screen. I want you to think, which are the two that you do best and which are the two that you feel like you do the worst? Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm terrible at all of these. (laughs) Let me just encourage you for a moment. You can't fix what you don't know about. So perhaps you just needed today as a reminder that these are important. Let me tell you another thing. Um, You're not at a church that's like, well, I hope you figure it out, buddy. Bless you in Jesus name. Y'all have fun. No, you're at a church that says, hey, if you need help, we're going to do everything we can to help you. So here's what I invite you to do. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe number four, the seed of faith that's in them. Maybe number four is a struggle for you. So here's what you do. You notice somebody in our church that has a kid that seems like they've got a really good relationship with Jesus. And you ask that dad to coffee. and You say, hey, can we have coffee? I'd love for you to just tell me, like, what do what y'all do in your family that makes this work out so well? Now, they may full well sit there, uh, generations, and look across the table from you and go, <laughs> I don't have a clue, man. I think it's the mom. You know, like whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, whatever it is. And, and so what you do is you just keep asking. And now all of a sudden, here's, here's the benefit, though. Even if they sit there and say, I don't have a clue how to do this. Here's the benefit. Now you have somebody else that's in your same boat, and y'all can search for answers together. You're not alone in this. Sometimes the best thing is just knowing that you're not alone. You can get help. You can figure this thing out. So, here's what I want you to do today. As we we close today, I just want you to take a moment, and if you bow your heads, I just ask you to do that so you can focus on God and not people around you. To know them, to, to, to see them, to be thankful and pray for them, to desire to be with them, to Be reminded of the seed of faith that's in them to know and believe in their good future. Here's what I want you to understand today as we wrap this all up in the idea of this series called Father. All of these are things that your heavenly Father thinks about you. That's what he thinks about you. And if you already have somebody doing that for you, can you... Can you make a commitment to the Lord today that I'm going to do my best effort to do these things for my kids? Father, we thank you today. I thank you that I can call you Father. I could, I could spend my whole life focusing on Judge or Creator or Ruler or Holy. But God, you want me to call you Father. Abba, Father, at that, Dad is what you want. And so, Father, we thank you today that we get to come to your throne as sons and daughters. Not as as judged or created, but sons and daughters in your presence today. God, and I thank you that as we look at this list, that you do all of these things for us. God, that you want to be with us and you see us and you know our frame. You remember we're dust and you you believe in the good future so much so that before you ever said, let there be light, you already had a plan for us. That's a good dad. So we celebrate that today. God, I celebrate your goodness as the father that you are. God, I'm also asking you in this moment, as you're a good father to me, help me be a good father to my kids. Help me be a good natural father. Come on, church, ask him. Help me be a good spiritual father. Help me do what I can to move the kingdom forward using what you've given inside of me as being a good father. Now, maybe you're here today and you don't know that relationship with God as a father. I want you to know something that's super easy to get a new dad, to get God the Father as your father. It's simple. It's Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father except by Jesus Christ, and he doesn't make it difficult. It's simple. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. Save me. If you say that to him right now in this moment, you don't have to jump through a hoop or come to an altar. If you say it and you mean it, God means it, and you just got a new dad. I want to say one last thing, pray one last thing here. It's that if you've had a hard time seeing God as a father, I just want you to take a moment right now and allow your heavenly father to speak to you, to speak life over you right now, to encourage you, to build you up, to encourage you to embrace him as the father he is. We thank you for it, father. You are good. We're so grateful for you, God. In your name I pray, amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com slash connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.